Welcome to episode 39 of Further Reflections. I'm your host, Marque. This episode is titled Travel, Dreams and Realities, and it's being released on December 1st, 2019. You can find all the episodes of this podcast right now at the website furtherreflections.net. I'm going to keep my intro pretty brief because I'm still getting over a cold here. This episode is going to be a clip show of previous guests in the last year or so from the podcast talking about the question, if you could travel anywhere in the world you haven't been, where would you go? And those guests are going to be, I've recorded something called a bumper when I interview people, so they actually give a, an overview of who they are. So I'm not going to go into too much detail, but I will mention them briefly here at the beginning. The guests you'll hear are Daniel G. Morrow of Awakening Ottawa, Mitch Horowitz, author of The Miracle Club, David McGee, author of the Lost Ottawa book series and website, Ron St. Louis of Capital Bees, Emma Mardlin, author of Out of Your Comfort Zone, Ivy Shea McIsaac of Wishing Tree Yoga, Pamela French of the Authentic Relating Ottawa Community, Joe Gunn, the author of Journeys to Justice, Reflections on Canadian Christian Activism, a sustainability specialist and author of Life, Money, and Illusion, Mike Nickerson, uh, integrational manual therapist uh, Adele Stratton of the Phoenix Rising Healing Center, Stephen Whiteley, author of Happiness Works, and uh, he's going to be known as the Freedom Coach, David Chernyshenko, an author, environmentalist, and former city councilor here in Ottawa, and Abra Arneson, who is a herbalist and clinical herbal therapist. I posed that question about travel to these guests, and we have quite wide-ranging discussions, some uh, more uh, in-depth than others. I like to use the question as a springboard to have an interesting discussion, and some of these discussions go on five or more minutes, which is pretty great. That was my intention when asking the question. You'll hear about different places people would like to visit, such as Egypt, Finland, Australia, the Atacama Desert in Chile, and quite a few people want to go to the Amazon rainforest, which is of interest to me because I've actually been there, maybe not deep in the Amazon, but in 2011 I was in the Peruvian Amazon for three months, returning in 2012, which I haven't shared too much about, but it was a very kind of uh, interesting if if uh, interesting experience um, somewhat challenging experience after the fact but that is touched upon uh, briefly here we also talk about uh, with some of the guests about how climate change might limit travel in the future about how maybe the best place to go is to stay where you are and just observe the seasons. And we also talk about how maybe it would be great for uh, teenagers and young people to have the experience of living in a different province or even a different country. And uh, I like these uh, discussions. You'll also hear my voice in the podcast as well. I'm going to talk about I think uh, four places I would like to visit, uh, two at the beginning and two towards the end. I'm mean, going to hear about Russia, Central Asia, Italy, and Guatemala, and why those places interest me. I thought I'd choose a variety of places. There will be no sort of second part to this podcast. It's just uh, the guests, but there's uh, hopefully some views that you find uh, interesting. If you resonate with any of what you hear, you can go back again to furtherreflections.net to check out the previous interviews of the guests. At the end of the podcast in the segment, The Final Five, I've been holding on to this clip of uh, Terence McKenna, the kind of psychedelic philosopher, and I heard this clip on the Natural Born Alchemist podcast several months back. And I lifted it from that, but uh, apparently it was originally broadcast on the uh, Psychedelic Salon podcast. If Those two podcasts I listen to quite regularly. You can check those out. This uh, probably was recorded, obviously, a lot longer than that, since Terrence McKenna was popular in the 80s and 90s on the circuit and uh, 
died in the year 2000. Um, most of these talks are available freely in different places. In this talk, it's very interesting. He talks about how, at the end, everything is kind of impermanent. And I thought it might be a, an interesting, if not sober, way to end this episode. I really like it. It's uh, It spoke to me at the time, uh, several months back, maybe back in the early summer, May or June or something like that. But I, I've been holding on to this. So that would be uh, Terrence McKenna. Next month on the podcast, we're going to hear, if all goes well, there'll be a new interview. But it's also going to be the uh, second year anniversary of Further Reflection. So I'm going to play some of the the highlights and give some of my reflections on this past year. So I hope you tune in for that. This is Mark A. of Further Reflections. Hope you enjoy the show and take care. Catch you next time. Okay, for the reflections, and I'll talk about a couple of places I'd like to travel to if I could. And they're closer to close to each other, but different in many respects. Uh, the first place is Russia. I've had this fascination with Russia for a long time. Um, different ideas, really. One is that I worked for a while in Warsaw, Poland, and so I had a friend who ended up teaching English in Moscow as well. And Warsaw is sort of, you see the Soviet influence there, and it's a little grim, but at the same time there's a fascination of that kind of place, and Moscow is is that place really in Russia. So it'd be interesting to see that. I mean, I'm also interested in sort of the Russian culture and uh, kind of the, the churches, and I, I don't know, I think Moscow would be a fascinating place. It's uh, a very, supposedly a very expensive place, uh, very big city, uh, it's a dynamic place probably, um, probably very different than somewhere like St. Petersburg, which is more on the Baltic. But Russia also is a vast country, and I've always been fascinated in places like Siberia, the Taiga forests, and Kamchatka. I, I don't know why I saw these documentaries on Kamchatka, and it looks pretty uh, surreal with these volcanoes and all these uh, grizzly, I don't know if they're grizzly bears, but these bears and uh, kind of a, I don't know, that's somewhat close to Alaska too, so you, that kind of kind of thing, but uh, Siberia is just this stark place and you see the in the winter it's all uh, kind of frozen and a bit inhospitable, but they do have their cities there and they'd be interesting to see. They're known about the city of Irkutsk, which is on the Trans-Siberian Railway, and from that area is where I think the original shamans come from, and shamanism was, well, still an interest of mine. Maybe it's a little bit less of an interest than when I started the podcast, but I'm still curious about that part of the world where the term shaman comes from that area of Siberia near Irkutsk, and also you get Lake Baikal near Irkutsk, which is a famous, uh, one of the, I think the deepest uh, freshwater lakes in the world or something. It's pretty pretty famous and there's just this fascination with Russia yeah the uh, kind of the starkness the 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 wilderness just just the people and and the culture and near Russia is Central Asia it could be different maybe some of them are part of the Soviet Union um, but uh, I traveled in the summer of 2005 to uh, 
Western China to Xinjiang, which I've podcasted about. And I like that. It was it was also very stark and uh, quite interesting. And there are mountains there. We didn't see too many, but there's also deserts, and it is very bleak. But the people are pretty interesting, and I'd like to visit somewhere like Kyrgyzstan, just because it's in the mountains, and it's a very different kind of culture. They have this culture of horseback riding and things. It's pretty neat. It's also a small country. And Uzbekistan, which is kind of more of the classical Central Asian with the desert and uh, and apparently that's a center, it used to be a center of Islamic learning. Some interesting places like Bukhara and Samarkand would be interesting to visit and see the markets there. Um, it'd be definitely, those two countries would be a kind of contrast. Uh, it's a bit far to be going to them, but maybe one day it'd be a, a bucket list thing. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> this is Mark M. This is Dr. Emma Maudlin, and I am the author of Out of Your Comfort Zone, Breaking Boundaries Beyond Limits, where you can conquer your fears, limitations, holdbacks for phenomenal results in life going forward. These are further reflections. This is Dr. Emma Maudlin, and I would love to visit Canada because I haven't been before, in particular, Ottawa, and I know Mark can tell me all about why well, what would you say? Why should I visit Canada? Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if Ottawa is the best place to visit. It's, it, it's, it's different. It's nice in the winter in a way because there's we have the longest skating rink in the world. So I just went on it the other day. So oh wow! It's, uh, Did you six, enjoy that? Six kilometers? No, is it six kilometers? Five, six kilometers at least. It's pretty long. It's a canal that they that freezes and you can walk up uh, quite a bit of it. Um, oh wow, so that's it's, interesting. It's, it's actually quite nice in the winter. There's a, they have their winter, although it's getting warmer because of, uh, you know, climate change. It's sort of, for a while, it was the weather's really been bizarre. Like, you know, it used to get quite cold, but this winter has been very fluctuating. So some days it's getting almost above zero, and it's kind of strange. But, but we have some nice uh, parks and stuff, but. There's, How about the food? What's the food like? Well, there's nothing really distinct about it, in my opinion, in, in Canadian food. I don't even know if it, it's really a thing. Because we probably borrowed from the British and maybe the French in some parts, right? But now it's more, there's a lot of international food here now. Like, you know, there's tons of ethnic restaurants near where I live, even though I'm more or less in a suburb. But, you know, people eat a lot of ethnic food, I would say now multicultural quite multicultural which is good yeah but it doesn't sometimes it doesn't have a you know a specific identity which is you know i've lived in a certain place somewhere like poland in europe or something and they have their own cuisine and a sense of identity that maybe it's not such you don't see as much here but ottawa ottawa is very close to montreal montreal is an exciting uh, city to visit Oh, that sounds good. Close to Montreal. I'm just making notes. <laughs> Montreal, there's uh, Montreal's a lot bigger, I guess. There's a lot more people. There's something like three million people in Montreal, maybe, which is uh, three times the population of Ottawa. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, Ottawa's about a mil a million now, but but it's very big. Like it's a sprawling, uh, which I don't like about it in a way because it it's very sprawling and. And very big, like a, geographically, it's quite big. But the population's not, I guess, not that large for the the actual geographic area. But but sure. it is the capital, so we have the parliament here, and the parliament's modeled after the British parliament. So that's could be a success. <laughs> Although it, or they, not <laughs> for for a, something like actually, they just closed the. Used to be able to do tours of the parliament buildings, but. The main building is closed for, I don't know, quite a few number of years now for renovations. So that's not, uh, it's probably not the best time to, to do that. But Sure. Do you, do you want me to say something more again then with that one? 
Well, I was just going to say I I love every you know everywhere in the world. I would like to see at some point. I particularly like warm countries as well. But I know um, I was told by a client that I saw recently. She has a son in Canada, and she was saying how extremely cold it is. That sometimes you guys go underground and have to stay there for a while. Uh, but also uh, when she went, it was incredibly hot that she couldn't go out either. So that sounds quite interesting to me but certainly what you've just told me in terms of having the largest skating ring with a canal that freezes that sounds fantastic to to go on I know um here in the UK we only have very small ones (laughs) and they can usually be quite expensive to go on for about an hour of skating so it's not that great um so that sounds fantastic to practice some skating. And I love the fact it sounds so multicultural. That's certainly one of the things I love about London as well. It's very multicultural, um, which always makes things exciting to try and experience different things from foods to how people like to entertain themselves differently. And as you say, close to the big city of Montreal as well. That sounds fantastic. So my name is Daniel Morrow. I am a neuroscientist and a holistic event planner and a counselor coach and I've got a website called awakeningottawa.com these are further reflections so say say your name again my my name is Daniel Morrow so a place that I haven't visited that I would like to visit is the pyramids in Egypt I'm just fascinated with the technology uh, that was used to create the pyramids and their connection with other star systems and you know even how they built them using anti-gravity and and different things like that so I would love to go there um, and explore that and go in there as a tourist and just feel the energy in that part of the world okay that's cool this is Mitch Horowitz I'm a historian of alternative spirituality my new book is the miracle club and these are further reflections this is Mitch Horowitz I've never visited Egypt and I'm very eager to visit and uh well my wish is coming true. In late January, early February, I'll be visiting Cairo and Luxor. I'll let you know how it goes. Tell us uh, why you wanted to go there, maybe. I am researching Hermeticism, which is a philosophy that was an amalgam of Greek and Egyptian thought in the decades immediately following Christ, something I've been writing and speaking on quite a bit. And I am thrilled to be able to go to the land of Hermeticism. This is Dave McGee from Lost Ottawa, an online historical community here in Ottawa. These are further reflections. So David McGee, and where would I like to go that I had never been? That is, that's, a good, uh, that's a good question. Uh, I was, for example, just planning to go to Australia. I thought Australia would be a good place. Uh, I love Los Angeles. I'd love to go back to Los Angeles, but I've already been there. So, uh, hmm, hmm, it's a good one. Australia, you can say more about why Australia appeals to you if you want. Well, you know, uh, I'm in my 60s now, so there are certain places you think, "Ah, I'd really like to check that off my bucket list. And uh, time is growing short for actually (laughs) going there and doing that. Uh, um, I don't, I've never had much interest in, uh, in going to China, for example, uh, but I'm sure that it would be pretty interesting if I, if I went there. Okay. It is interesting, but I spent three years there. I was uh, yeah. teaching there, right? But, but, um, it, my experience is all, it would have been different if I was a tourist, I think, guys, because, yeah. I, and I lived in three different provinces, so that right. I got to see quite a bit of yeah you know one summer i spent a month traveling around china well i think the big thing about traveling to me is not so much the wonderful sights and beautiful stuff that you see but that you often um see that things can be done differently they don't have to be done the way that we do them here there's other ways to do it Uh, and uh, it's worth being open to thinking about other ways of doing things whether it's how do you run your streetcars or your bus system or your schools or 
are, are so many things. For me, it's about unique experiences. I mean, I never visited the Great Wall, and I tell people that, and they're like surprised. But at the same time, I've been to a, a village that's never seen a foreigner before. So yeah, to me, that's, that's more a, valuable because that you feel something special there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think that's uh, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that's what I was kind of thinking of when you asked the question: Where would I go? What? Where would I? Where would I? Where would I get that experience that uh, that would be, you know, completely unique? I think Mor Morocco is a cool place if you haven't been there, because Morocco is a good mix of the exotic and the familiar. Because it was, you know, they built some of the cities in the kind of European, you know, Casablanca. Yeah. They lived there for six weeks. Oh, yeah, so interesting. It's uh, it's very much. Kind of a modern city in some way, right? But yeah. it's it's in the European. It feels a bit European, but at the same time, it's got the they old. have their old Medina, and it, it's exotic without being. It kind of reminded me in some degree of China, but at the same time, around here, Europe, yeah. and people are nice. So there's some. It, it's good for someone that wants um, something in the middle, you know. Like if they don't, like yeah. the, China would be overwhelming to someone, possibly some parts. You know, I've done some research on a project, uh, which I'll tell you about, uh, and it has to do with an archaeological expedition that goes to Iraq. Okay. Uh, in the 1880s, and it starts off. They have to go to to Istanbul to get permission to mm -hmm. to to be able to travel into. Uh, the country, which is barely, especially um, Syria and Mesopotamia, which is barely controlled by the Turks at the time. Okay. Uh, and um, I would have loved to be able to basically trace their route. Yeah. But <laughs> that is not possible anymore. Yeah. There's a book. Uh, not a. It's not about Iraq, but it's. I interviewed the author some years ago. It's called The Horse That Leaps Through Clouds. If you remember mm -hmm. this. You ever heard of this book? No. So it's basically, uh, it's t it takes place in Central Asia and China, but the, the guy, there's a guy called Gustav Mannerheim who was a, he was a Finnish person, but he worked for the Russian government and he yeah. was sent as a spy to go into China in the early 1900s, I think. <laughs> and uh, he went all through, you know, Russia and then to Central Asia and all these countries. Yeah. And this guy... Uh, What's his name? Eric and Otam, the author. Uh, Hundred years to the date, he retraced the guy's footsteps uh, for several months across to get to China, and then he's documenting because they were saying it's China was kind of modernizing yeah. before it got into the civil war and all that. It was right. in the early 1900s. It was modernizing yeah. then, and yeah. and again, it's a parallel to now. So he's drawing these comparisons, and he was part, I think, Estonian or something. He had some connection with. Finland as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting to, to read about it. Like the beginning is more about his, the other guy's story, and then it's about him. Right, his experiences. Yeah, I, I, I think that's interesting. Um, just this is a bit of an aside, but at the Science Museum, they have a huge collection of material about bicycles. Mm -hmm. And not only do they actually have these old bicycles, but they have the, all this literature, and there's this period in which I don't know how many books were written. It was like biking through China, biking across Europe, biking around the world. Okay. And they're kind of similar to what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and it would be neat to try and say, okay, I'm going to take my bicycle and I'm going to follow this guy's path. And it, it's interesting too because he, he was originally denied a visa. It's almost a similar story that the guy had to go, before he had to go, as undercover, but he, he was denied a visa um, from Canada to go to China because they found out about this thing, and, he, and then he had to use an Estonian passport to get a, <laughs> to get a visa or something. So it's kind of a parallel. Yeah. He was he was sort of undercover too a bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But he talks a lot about Central Asia too, which is also somewhere I find interesting. Yeah, you know, I don't know how they could do it, but I often thought that it was it would be a good experience if uh, every Canadian kid could be sent to live somewhere else. Oh, I thought that too. Uh, so just to make sure they get out of their own city in their own province. And maybe go. maybe when they're a teenager, maybe. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I agree. When 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 they're a little bit older, uh, but you know, before they start their career and their education, just to give them the experience of yeah. being elsewhere. Uh, kind of do, in experience. Europe, I think sometimes they do that. They have a gap year and they travel and stuff. It's a yeah. It's more of in the culture in some countries, I think. Yeah, you still have the kind of wanderare type of thing, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was lucky that I, you know, maybe a bit foolish, but I, I was 23 and I just went to China. When I graduated, I didn't even think about it. I just went and I was, yeah. stayed for three years pretty much. And yeah. Yeah. Great, great experience. Okay. My name is Ivy Shea McIsaac. Vishen Chi Yoga. Simply yoga. If you know what yoga is, welcome to experience Vishen Chi Yoga. These are further reflections. I'll be Shea McIsaac. Yeah, if, I, if I'm able to, I might want to go to uh, Chile. That is Maya place. That. But I don't know. Oh, the other place, can I say two places? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the cor cor coriander in US. In the Colorado. US. Colorado, mm. yeah. That. Tell us more. Why? why? Because it's, uh, my background is geography. Mm -hmm. Like, I, uh, the major is in geography. And then the Colorado is, you know, layers of layers of um, mm -hmm. the, the history of the earth. Okay. And, and uh, yeah, I like it. I like to see that. That is more scientist aspect, yeah. and I, you know, I still have the background influence. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Geography is very good, and through that, you you see the history, and you know that things will change, like from the ocean to the land, and the land to the ocean. Okay. Cool. That's a very scientific answer, maybe. <laughs> So my name is Pamela French, and I am excited about events and offerings through Authentic Relating Ottawa, and these are further reflections. My name is Pamela French, and if I could go anywhere, I would love to spend some time in an African safari, the markets of Morocco, the mountain coasters in the European Alps. And I don't know where this is, but I imagine somewhere in Mayan culture around a campfire with grandmothers. There are such things as mountain coasters. Oh my gosh, I am so excited about mountain coasters. Coasters. Oh, tell Co us more. I don't I haven't heard of this. So. so mountain coasters are steel roller coasters that are only propelled by gravity. So there's no motor or machine or 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 um propelling it's only gravity that gives you speed to go down the mountain and you have handbrakes and so you literally get to go down a mountain in this little steel box uh with full view of all the scenery and everything from the heights and so it's for me i'm super excited about it because i would much rather canoe than be in a, a speedboat the noise of engines is not exciting to me so going down a mountain with just me and a steel pipe sounds great yeah, I know what it is now. I wasn't sure. I'd seen one in China before, actually, a mountain, something similar. That was cool. And I recently discovered that there's one in um, Saint-Sauveur, like two hours from us. Oh, okay. You, have you, been, you haven't been to Morocco before then, I guess, have you? I have not. Okay, it's cool. I was there for five weeks. It was uh, cool. <gasps> Really? Uh, yeah, it was. It's it's an interesting country. I wasn't. I didn't get to travel to too many different places, but I I saw something of it. I basic basically, I lived in Casablanca most of the time, which is somewhere I liked it because I got to know it. But some people, yeah. they, some people they uh, skip over it because it's maybe it's more of a modern city in a way. It doesn't have the pedigree of some of these other places. But mm -hmm. but I uh, I enjoyed that. I found it more. It it was very not very touristy at all, really. Which I liked. Somewhere like Fez is very touristy, but Casablanca's more a working. I don't know. Like, I enjoyed it. But maybe for That's... some for some people, you won't get the, you know, the. It's not a you know. There's nothing ground shattering about it. But it's it's in. If you want a slice of life, it's cool. Well, I will take note because I I want a slice of life. I forgot to mention the Jurassic Coast, and I just want to share it with you for the joy of sharing. It's okay if you don't use this in the episode. Oh, okay. Um, but I've really been captivated by dragons lately, and so a lot of dragon things have been coming up for me. 
And I've also been on this journey in the last year of diving into my ancestral lineage and heritage and learning more about my grandmothers and grandfathers and the people before them as well. And a couple of days ago, the screen saver on my computer changes every couple of days and surprises me. And what came up was the Jurassic Coast. And it literally looks like a, a big mountain of that's shaped like a dragon drinking out of the ocean. And I'm like, where is this Jurassic Coast? And I discover that it's near Dorset, England. And as I'm as I see the name Dorset, England, I think, oh my gosh, I think that's where my grandmother was born and raised. And she's passed on now, but she lived to be 102 and I totally adored her. I still do adore her. And I thought, what fun. Like now England is on my list of places to go to and I want to visit her birthplace and visit these dragons at this Jurassic Coast. I mean, it sounds fabulous to me. Yeah, yeah. My my name is Mike Nickerson. I'm involved in the Lanark Eco Village and the Sustainability Project Seventh Generation Initiative. These are further reflections, yes. I, uh, I'm big on watching the seasons unfold. Where I want to go is where I don't have to go anywhere. Say more. Periodically, I'll set different uh, adjustments to my life and do things. In a couple of years, I, when I was working on my book, I, I refused to get in a moving vehicle. You know, There were other people that could get to the store and get food and stuff like that, but I just did, didn't want to go traveling anywhere. Right. And what happens when you stay in one place for a while is you get to know it, you get to feel it. You know, the spring is coming and it's 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 slow, but it's progressive. And and if you go away for a couple of days, you miss a chunk of that. And there's a there's a thrill to being a part of how the territory is unfolding. And I love that. You know, if I'm here for two weeks without going anywhere, I'm just ecstatic. I can do the things I'm doing, work on things, make it happen. Uh, and it doesn't get interrupted by this hopping into a ton of iron and, and tooling across, uh, you know, spaces with my spirit left behind. But so, yeah, where I want to go is nowhere. <laughs> but for some people, they have to go to their job and stuff. right? Yeah, no. And that's and, and life should be set up in a way that you don't have to go far to get to the work you do. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and it always was up and until the automobile made it possible for us to spend an hour or two hours a day. Um, traveling to get to work. Yeah, it's kind of crazy how people think that's just so normal, normal, and like they don't even question. I never see that question, like why we should spend like an hour and a half to get to work. Or something. Yeah, well, and again, it's how things are set up. Uh, for every person in the world that has an automobile, there's seven people who don't have automobiles. What do they know that we don't? How are they able to manage their lives and we couldn't? You want to answer that question? Do you know? Um, they haven't built a system that depends on it. You know, North America is largely built on, on the assumption of motorized transport. You know, Europe and, and much of the rest of the world had their infrastructure set up before motorized transport. So things were set up more locally and, and people could, could walk to work. I find or, uh, I was just in Montreal and I find it a little more less. Some of the downtown is a little less, you know, but maybe because it's older. But it sort of feels a bit more like Europe, some some places. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and old Montreal was, uh, you know, was built before the transport issue. And the other thing that transport's done is it's scattered our families and friends all over the globe. You know, I have really good friends, but they're none of them. They're very easy to get to. Uh, my family's on the other side of the continent, and you know, that's just massive expenditures of energy necessary to to visit people you love and that's they call them love miles you know and they're sort of forgivable because that's what makes the world go around in in terms of community and stuff but it's it's a crime you know if you could hold the automobile transport uh phenomena to a task you know it's an enormous disservice to the well-being of society to have scattered us around the globe yeah there's interesting things but there's interesting things in a in a flower opening you know yeah. you can find you can find excitement in anything that, uh, you know, the, the, the more intense the power involved, you know, the more we seem to think we're getting out of it. And it's, uh, it's a hoax. You know, it, it could kill us. My name is Adele Stratton. I'm an integrational manual therapist. I work in healing developmental trauma, biodynamic cranial psychotherapy, and the biocomputer operating system. These are further reflections. Um, I had a question I usually ask someone at the very end, and, but I might as well ask it now. And uh, I, I use it. I might use it in another episode. But uh, the question was, if you if you could travel anywhere in the world you haven't been, where would you go? And uh, 
I've been asking everybody this, but we can we can do it now if you want to just okay, spend sure. a, a, a th two or three minutes talking about that or something. Or... Okay. Um, I feel that the, I'd love to have the experience. I I'd love to go to Finland. And the reason I want to go to Finland is because my mother was Finnish. <laughs> and unfortunately, she she passed at a, a young age. And um, I guess with my own life being very busy and da-da-da-da-da, I would say I'm, I'm going to go. And I am going to go. I want to have the experience of Finland. I want to have the experience of London, England, Stonehenge, and Hawaii. <laughs> mm -hmm. Are you, are, you, are you able to say a little more about some of the, what appeals to you about some of those places other than, well, what appeals to you about England or, or well, Hawaii what, maybe? What, what appeals to me about um, England is I just love the whole idea of the city. I love theater. I want to go to theater. I want to, I want to shop. I want to, I just want to explore it. I, I just, I don't even actually know why I want to go so badly, but I do. <laughs> so there must be something there that's resonating with me. Something that, you know, that's calling me. I know why I'm going to Finland because I want to see my mother's roots. Uh, she was born in Helsinki. So I want to, um, I want to go and explore that. But London, England, I just hear so many great things about it that I just want to go. And Hawaii, I want to experience not the main island, but I want to go to some of the more spiritual islands and just have that, uh, that experience and maybe even get to experience something with the native people there and their traditions and their ceremonies it's always good to explore things like that and good because of course you know there's always so much to learn from all these different and that's the beauty of travel right is is learning so much about the cultures yeah i've been to london quite a few times because we ha we have family there uh, or not not well friends of the family there so i have quite a f few people we know there nice but um, my family is living in that's south of london in wiltshire but but uh, my, they live uh, near Lewisham, one of these people, which is a working class. I actually like that the best, going to the more working class area. You see the real, the, kind of the right. real side of London, right? Right. But that's fun. Um, I'm David Chernyshenko. I am a uh, living lightly pathfinder. I uh, do uh, a lot of writing, speaking, and, uh, and political commentary and analysis. Uh, these are further reflections. Yeah, yeah. In fact, that's one of um, one thing I'm sad about is that uh, we are going to have to drastically curtail the amount of air travel because of the emissions related to that, uh, and uh, and the cultural experience of going other places uh, is valuable for people. On the other hand, uh, I think there is there's a downside to the excess. I know people who take five, six, ten overseas trips and holidays a year. And I wonder, are they really getting a cultural experience or are they just dropping in for a weekend sure. and, and essentially living in the same kind of hotel and eating the same kind of food? So in, in a sense, um, too much of it, I suppose, at all, too much of anything, you stop noticing it, even too much good food, you know, it's all just a blur. Uh, so um, that we should all have the opportunity to live, work, study abroad, um, I think is, is very valuable, but I think we'll need to prepare ourselves for what they used to call back a century ago, the grand tour when, you know, kind of the children of the wealthy elite would head off on a boat, yeah. uh, and spend four months or six months or a year visiting the cultural capitals of the world and then come home. And that's the only one they would do in their life, yeah. but they did it and they learned something from it. Uh, and <laughs> when I was, uh, uh in the late 70s when I was just finishing high school and going backpacking, certainly Kiwis and Australians, they would do that. They'd save up for years to have yeah. the money to go do a trip. And for many of them, they would make it a one-year trip because it was probably the only one they yeah. were going to do. The world has changed now. Probably those same people are amazed that for a quarter of the price, they could dash off uh, you know, annually. Uh, 
that's a bit of a digression, but it does illustrate that you know, sure. how fast things change and how, um, and, and here's a big challenge, you know, to get people to look at the wonderful things we've had in our lives and come to terms with, I'm not going to have or do many of those things anymore. There's lots of places I haven't been, but um, I'm, I'm the spoiled guy who's traveled a lot. And in the last couple of decades, um, it feels like it's the same homogenous experience. I feel in many parts of the world, not all, uh, you really have to get way off the beaten track or else you just feel like you're kind of in the same place, only with people speaking a different language. Um, the world has become very homogenized. So I think the kinds of experiences, um, I love to, wherever I go, take the time to get to know the people and to feel how the place works. Uh, and so anywhere that I may travel, I take that approach. It's part of why I've always loved cycling because mm -hmm. it's done at a slow enough pace that you see everything around you. You see it, you smell it, and you almost taste it. Uh, and uh, yet it's fast enough that you can cover a little bit of territory. Uh, and so, um, you know, I love taking small local cycling trips uh, as opposed to bundling everything on the plane and, and off we go. All that being said, um, my wife is from France. Uh, I've got friends and family um, in, you know, in, in Europe and given that my main character is me to Cambridge and I've got a number of friends still there, um, among the few trips that I plan to take in the coming years, I would like soon to be able to go and essentially do a book tour, uh, yeah. get back to England, see France. my friends there, France. Uh, um, if anyone knows of a translator, you know, who will translate a 600 page book uh, okay. for free or cheap, that would be great because there, I think there's a real market in French for it. Oh, yeah. uh, my character, main character is bilingual, parts of it take place in France. So. Well, the fact is selling books is, is often a human connection. Um, even the big publishers don't do much for you anywhere anymore. This is an indie production uh, and uh, um, I'm told by big name authors in Ottawa area that their publishers no longer do anything. You've got to go and do all your own book tour and all your own work. So that's what Mike will have known and what I'm experiencing here. Um, positive side of that is it's very real. You're touching base with people, you're meeting, you're talking with them. Um, mm -hmm. So it does mean you get got to expend a lot of energy and your own money uh, to get out there and promote a book. Uh, but um, you know, you do get to have those, those great conversations. I'm Stephen Whiteley. Take care, stay well, have fun. These are further reflections. My name is Stephen Whiteley, and I'm the Freedom Coach. And where I'd like to go to that I haven't been yet uh, is to uh, South America. I'd like to go to Costa Rica or Peru and experience the jungle and uh, some of the spiritual aspects uh, that go on there. Yeah, there's different kinds of stuff, though. What specifically are you more interested in the kind of the the indigenous uh, healing traditions of the jungle or something? Yes, I, I'm interested in uh, the indigenous healing and I'm interested in understanding their ideas of uh, whether you want to call it ascension or whatever. Do you know uh, Kaya Nightingale at all? No. Oh, well, she's she's explored uh, that kind of realm, but she's also explored uh, many years. I think uh, over a decade in in uh, India, I think, and the Buddhist like stuff. And she she has a good perspective on. I've talked to her about it. Those two. Is realms. she in Ottawa? Yeah, she's like a. She helps people with uh, spiritual. She has a. She used to have a coaching business to help people with uh, spiritual awakenings and, and things like that. But she's spent a lot of time. Okay, anyway, she has this, um, seems to be better. She has a business. She helps people with uh, spiritual uh, awakenings and things like that. But she'd spent uh, a number of years, yeah, like over, I think over 10 years in India. And, yes. And then she, she'd explored the, the yoga and the, the Buddhist stuff and then... Um, but then she also spent quite a lot of time in uh, the Amazon jungle and South America and things, learning some of their medicines and, and their traditions. So, oh, uh, yes. It's, it's a good balance between the two because, I mean, I, I've been to the Amazon, but I don't, I don't profess to know that much about the Eastern as much. 
I was more interested yeah, yeah. In, in that kind of thing. But, but I only, it was only well, there for three months. But What did you do? Which part of the Amazon did you go to and what did you do there? Um, well, there's these healing centers down there and one of them was doing an apprenticeship program. So I went down there and um, oh, yeah. they do, uh, they have the medicine there, you know, the, uh, the whatever you want to call that. And you, you can do that, but you can also, they were doing permaculture projects down there. So I participated in that. Some were you our, in the Eastern Amazon or the Western Amazon? I was uh, not far from Iquitos in Peru. So I don't know if you know where that is. That's, yeah, that would be yeah. uh, in the, uh, I guess, the Western Amazon. Yes. Yeah. But, but I mean, the, it was interesting time. It was uh, basically almost eight years ago now. But oh yes, very cool. But I mean, it, it, it that was a challenging time because it really that's why I have this thing. It really uh, exposed me to work on myself. But oh yeah, I had some pretty traumatic stuff happen. But at the same time, you know, for I'm better now. But for a number of years, I was pretty. Uh, upset about the whole thing but yeah i can imagine that um, and like i said everybody's been hurt yeah, but, but, I, but i i was really extreme like i would i, would, I wouldn't say okay. most people didn't go to that it's things that happened i you know it is what it is but but it was uh really <laughs> well here's here's something for you that i don't think most people know that all negativity is a gold mine and there's two things about it that make it that way. The first is that it's full of wisdom about the greater you. And the bigger the hurt, the bigger the wisdom. And then the second part is all negativity wants to be the greatest love you've ever felt. And if you know how to get it there, it will just go away. It will evaporate and transform into that love. Well, I, I found that once once you've kind of gone through the other side, then you can look back on it differently. Because when I was going through this, which was many years, it it was tough, and I was not in a good yes. place. Not in a good place, but maybe I can use that. I mean, I have quite a lot of inner inner strength, if you want to use that word, because of this. Yes, exactly. So it's, it's good, but it, I don't know if I'd wish my other people to have that such a such a thing. No. But, yeah, so. exactly. But uh, but I'd I mean, be willing to bet there's even more wisdom in it that you haven't gotten out yet. Yeah, probably. At the same time, I'm not trying to repeat that experience either. I wouldn't think so. <laughs> you know. But, but but I mean, it's it is what it is. I, I was very bitter about it for a while. And, yeah. You know, angry, well, angry I, 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 like I've been in the same kind of boat for many, many years, and I used it all to transform my inner world and to enlighten myself. And so this is one of the things you can do with it. It all depends on how you view it. Right. And, and I see it now as the greatest blessing that I've ever been given. Because without that, I would have never pursued uh, enlightenment and the freedom that goes with that. Okay, thank you. So I think I think from when I know a lot of people go to Peru, they they don't go to the Amazon though. They go to the the Andes and the, the that kind of yeah. tradition, right? There's some appeal yeah, yeah. about that that kind of I don't know legacy of the Incas and things, but oh yes, or or whatever like the. There is a healing tradition there too, which is, I think, mm -hmm. just the landscape is so is pretty impressive. To this, some people end up moving there. Is right. there anything more you want to say on uh, this travel question? Um, well, it's really. Uh, I guess what I'd like to say is, uh, traveling is probably the best way of learning. So I would encourage people to travel. It really opens your eyes to different ways of doing things and different ways of living. And it it uh, makes you really think on your feet and uh, uh, you end up having challenges in really basic things like uh, language and going to the bathroom and things like that. So 
it's a really good learning experience. I highly promote uh, traveling. This is Ron St. Louis from Capital Bees. Capital Bees is all about teaching beekeeping, of course, honey, and breeding and selling bees. So if you're looking to learn about bees, give us a call. These are further reflections. So I'm Ron St. Louis. I have a few places high on my list in terms to about places to visit. I really love the desert. I've been to the American Southwest, but I'm going to stay away from there for a little while yet. Um, looking at the Atacama Desert in northern Chile, and while I'm down there, maybe also checking out Patagonia. Also, I uh, really like to check out Ethiopia since they have some really amazing landscapes, and apparently they have a really deep beekeeping culture. They have some pretty ancient churches there too in Ethiopia, right? Yeah. yeah. And like they have beekeeping like part of the religion. And some of these, there's really this, uh, this like church filled in a cave or something. And there's all these paintings of bees and they have like these beekeeping patron saints and all this stuff. It's really interesting. So my name is Joe Gunn. I work at the Saint Robla, Voice for Justice at St. Paul University in Ottawa. And these are further reflections. Joe Gunn, if I could travel anywhere in the world where I haven't been, I think I'd like to go to uh, the Amazon forest in Brazil. I've, I've actually been to Brazil, but nowhere near the Amazon. It's a huge country. Yeah. And I think with the emphasis on uh, environmental justice these days, and we're worried about uh, indigenous rights, and we're worried about ecological justice, uh, it would be fascinating to be able to see uh, what are the possibilities. I know that there are some uh, indigenous communities in uh, Ecuador, for example, that touch the Amazon, where they're trying to develop ecotourism yeah. as a way of uh, making, they don't want their land to be used for exploration for oil, but they're trying to set up alternative ways of, of uh, showing people that might be interested in a, a beneficent tourism to yeah. come and notice their how they live and what their what their territory is like. Yeah, it's interesting. I've actually been there to the Amazon. How did 2012, you? Twenty twelve or twenty eleven. Wow. Doing some volunteer work there. I might talk about it in another podcast, but it's neat. Interesting times. That was in Peru, but uh, okay. But I like the. It's interesting. We weren't deep in the Amazon, but uh, do you know the Pachamama Alliance at all? Do, I've uh, heard of it. They I do a uh, tourist to Ecuador with the Shuar people. That'd be interesting. Ah, to... that's what they do. Okay. Dream People. The Amazon is a is a documentary that uh, showcases uh, sort of their culture and how they connected with the Pachamama Alliance because they they kind of had this dream that they would work with them and it, it came to pass kind of thing. Like, oh, neat. Because their their dreams are like premonitions there. Right? Uh -huh. so, I'm interested in that all that whole culture and. I'm also interested in the, you know, the shamanism and stuff. Yes, people, and you know, maybe less so than five years ago, but still, I mean, it'd be interesting to go back. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, so the Pachamama Alliance. Okay, I knew that you could. I actually did. I facilitated their. They have something called the Game Changer Intensive, which is a interesting course that I facilitated once. Like uh, they they get moderators for it's uh, talking about a lot of the issues that we might have talked about here. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, game changer alliance. I like it. Game changer intensive. I intensive think is the name of the course. They're wow. they're pretty cool. I mean, I think some people criticize the Pachamama Alliance because uh, they're making. I think they charge quite a bit of money to. You know, they're supposed to be this social justice group, but they also make money off of tourism to the. Yeah, they charge like three four thousand dollars. To go for twelve days to the Ecuador, but I think it'd still be interesting. There's about yeah. I know the Shuar, but there's also some other a couple of other groups of uh, indigenous people down there they hmm. go work with and stuff. It'd be interesting to do one day. Yeah. Um, okay. That's well, probably like everything else. There's probably you know it's like probably it's some faith-based groups. You know, you got to choose ones that are doing what you think are doing the best and. Some that are maybe charging a lot or whatever. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I've seen other tour companies that uh, 
charge four thousand dollars to go to Europe. So it's yeah, like, it's not that outrageous, I guess. No. But it it does seem at the moment it's out of my league to do it. Right. But I, maybe someday day, I can do something yeah. like that. It's something I'm interested in. It'd be neat to see, you know, if they, you know, if the, you know, the money stays in the community. That's yes. a positive thing. My name is Abra Arneson, and I'm a herbalist, a clinical herbal therapist, and I work with plant medicine to support people in their health. These are for the reflection. Okay. For continuity. Yeah. Sure. Abra Arneson, I would like to go to Ecuador. I've never been to Ecuador, and when I was a kid, I made a 3D sculpture of Ecuador. I love beaches, so I would like to spend some time on the beach there. And then I'd like to go up into the mountains and spend time in the mountains. And then go down into the Amazon. I've never been to the Amazon. Sure. I would like to hear yeah. the Amazon okay. and clearly explore some of the plants in the Amazon because yeah. I'm a herbalist. Okay. And I think some, these days in the Amazon, you, you might have to go quite a way to get away from people. I've been to the city of Iquitos and that's like quite a busy, big city, right? Yeah. You might have to, that's in Peru, but you you would have, even in Ecuador probably, you have to get away. You, nowadays, it, you know, it's in, society's encroaching more. Yeah, well, it's the whole ayahuasca thing would be going on there too, right? People would be heading into the Amazon to do the ayahuasca. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's why I want to go to the Amazon. I just want to go in here mm -hmm. and smell it and feel it and be in it, you know? Yeah, yeah it's interesting because I'm looking at the psychoactive plants, you know, and I certainly did a lot of experimentation when I was younger. Yeah. But I, like for healing, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that, I think those plants are very powerful. That's actually a formula. It's not a singular plant. Yeah, I think yeah. they're very, and you should be working one-on-one -on -one with someone. I don't think these are like these big group orgies, you know, and people just kind of uh, like... I think I think the question, well, you know, there's a lot of different types of healers out there, and there's a lot of different types of healers because there's a lot of different types of people. Sure. So, like, people I attract, people you attract are different, mm -hmm. you know, and we have to figure out how to speak to the people in a good way. Okay. But the thing is, I think that, like, I think when you go in, you're approaching at healing the mind. You have to, there has to be a, a, a really positive base to do it. If we're going in to heal the mind because we don't like the experience we're having of our minds, it's not going to be pretty in the long run. So I think in the long run with healing, like we heal from our strengths, we heal through our gifts. We don't heal our challenges with our challenges, you know? So it kind of sounds like to me you were like looking for something, looking for for changing who you were or, or trying to get away from something that was happening inside you. Yeah, maybe. And, and when we're trying to get away from something, that gets closer, you know? So if, you, if, you, if you're trying to, like say you decided, oh, I really want to augment my creativity and I'm going to mm -hmm. take the ayahuasca to create more creativity that would change the experience as opposed to oh you know i i'm depressed and i need to get rid of this depression so i'm going to do ayahuasca uh -huh. do you see like it's a different orientation and yeah. and these when we're doing it because we want to get rid of they it gets closer and stuff like that which is tough because i suffer I, I mean i see a lot of suffering some yes. people try to look away from it right? but I, I can't really avoid it somehow I see a lot of suffering. That's my work. Yeah. That's where I work. But I, I, work I do know, know people that did ayahuasca. They they try to get away from that. Not they don't face that. Right? They, yeah, you have they're to. They're trying to they're even some the people. The only way that, through suffering is to go into it. Is to really not, not even but, their own suffering, but to get away from other people. Oh suffering. yeah, I know. It's like people. Oh, that person's suffering. Yeah, uh, it's making me suffer. I'm like, oh, whatever. It's your suffering, honey. Um, yeah, a lot of people like herbalists use herbal medicine. They talk about herbal medicine, but I like to say plant medicine because I think it's like the plants, you know. Mm -hmm. I, so I kind of have that. That's my, you know. Yeah. But at, also sacred plants. That's say sacred plants, but they're all sacred. Yeah. 
Okay, anything more to say about Ecuador before we wrap up here? No, I just want to go next winter. Okay. If the planet's still here. Thanks for listening to the podcast. This is Mark A., and I'd like to close with a couple more uh, travel ideas, places I'd like to go. Two different continents, Europe and North America, I suppose. And uh, first I'd like to visit Italy, somewhere I haven't been. It's obviously a place people visit. I I have family in Europe. I've been to Western Europe a lot and worked in Central Europe, but I've never been to Italy. And uh, I always wanted to go to Venice because, not only because it's an interesting city and beautiful, and I like some of the canal cities in uh, China that might inspire me, but also because there's a connection with the... uh, with 40 to do with the word quarantine and St. Mark came from there and so I kind of have this fascination with uh, Saint, my patron saint I suppose and visiting Venice, St. Mark's Basilica but uh, as I record this Venice has been hit with these, this devastating flooding and uh, who knows if, if this is going to be possible to visit Venice I, I would like to visit in a couple of years when it's my 40th but it might be kind of difficult. Um, there's also the city of Ravenna, a small city near, not so far from Venice, near Bologna. And in Ravenna, they have these uh, fresco, like uh, mosaics or frescoes or something. Quite a lot of them. And I've seen them on documentaries and also in this uh, Christian Church architecture course I took uh, earlier this year. And those would be interesting to see. It's not a huge city, but it has a, a wide representative of different types and different time periods in it. It's kind of a, I think it might be a UNESCO heritage site in itself. That would be kind of cool. I mean, obviously there's other places like Rome and Naples. I mean, I've seen a lot of documentaries about Rome. But really Venice was the one because because of the St. Mark connection. I'm not sure I'll ever uh, make it to Venice at this rate, but we'll have to see. And I also want to go to Guatemala. That's a completely different country, but I don't know. I just like the Mayan stuff, but I also like the kind of colonial stuff as well. And um, in Guatemala, they have a yearly program with the organization Librarians Without Borders. And I uh, work in the uh, library world. There's also something, a connection with the group Librarians Without Borders, and I kind of work in the library world for most of my free time, and uh, I would like to take part in this group. They send it an annual uh, mission to Guatemala for two weeks to help with a library there in the city of Quetzalcanango, and hopefully saying that right. I think it's also called Shela. That's the second city of Guatemala. And in this city, there's a place called Astorias Academy, and they they partner with them to uh, help them with their library projects. Um, I think they send, like, uh, no more than 10 10 people a year down there or something, but you have to apply. But it'd be interesting to go to, um, because I feel like I would be giving back, but also it'd be interesting to see another country. Unfortunately, this uh, city, Shela, is in the south of Guatemala and all the Mayan stuff is in the north probably bordering with uh, Belize and Mexico and stuff so it makes it kind of difficult to do both I know there's the city of Flores in the north which is pretty famous as the gateway to Tikal which is this Mayan site which is pretty famous one of the most probably the best preserved ones it'd be cool to see but who knows I mean it'd be we did it, do it all in one trip, but it would be interesting to give back, and uh, definitely Guatemala is kind of on my list. I mean, I think the people are probably pretty nice there, too, and humble. I, I've been to the Mayan Riviera in Mexico, but that was more of a touristy thing. I didn't necessarily see too much, but I what I did see I kind of liked, and this might be a little more real, so that'd be Guatemala and Italy. This is Marque of Further Reflections. Take care.
daughter of the first, second, and fourth vice president go by, and you fall in love with her. The one thing that seems secure is a, a truth that is hard to hear in the context of a dominator culture with an obsession with the material world. And, and that truth is that nothing lasts. Nothing <laughs> lasts. You know, your enemies will fade, your friends will fade, your fortune, your poverty, your disappointments, your dreams, everything is in the process of changing into something else. So your agony is about to be assuaged. On the other hand, your happiness is about to be destroyed. So the, the obligation that comes out of this realization is an obligation to the, the immediate moment to this thing that I've been calling the felt moment of immediate experience. It isn't who you were or what you were or who you will be or what you will be. It's the felt moment of immediate experience. And this has been robbed from us by media and by our tendency to denigrate ourselves, to see the world in terms of the great ones, not here, whoever they are, Aristotle, Madonna, Jesus, whatever your particular bent is. Uh, the overcoming of neurosis, of unhappiness, of toxic lifestyles is uh, the felt presence of immediate experience in the body, in the moment and you know psychedelics sexuality gastronomy sport dance these are the things which put you in the felt presence of the moment and that's really all you ever possess your memories are eroding away the futures you anticipate will mostly not come to pass and the real uh, richness is in the moment and it's not necessarily some kind of be here now feel good thing because it doesn't always feel good but it always feels it is a domain of feeling it's primary language is not primary ideology is not primary the propagation of future and past vectors is not primary what's primary is the felt presence of experience and that is the source of love Well, that does it for another episode. Just a reminder, the website for this podcast is furtherreflections.net. There you can find the episode archive. You can find more about myself. You can support the podcast. And you can see the archive of my previous podcast, Reflections On. Thanks for listening.